Welcome to another episode of Joshi Pro. This being our first mini episode, we're calling these the Point Five series. I'm here always with Tom. Hello there. And what we're going to be doing on these, they're going to be shorter episodes. Uh, they may break up the main episodes that will be coming out once a month. Uh, so it would be every two weeks. But they may not always be every two weeks. Um, there's a lot to cover at the beginning, so we're going to be doing it for a while. We have episode ideas for a while for these. Um, but as I said, it won't always be a thing. In fact, it'll probably be rare eventually. But for now, here we are. And today we're going to cover Tokyo Joshi Pro. First thing we want to talk about with Tokyo Joshi Pro is the New Year's show from 2018. It was a big show, had a big main event. Until this past weekend in May, it was the largest attended Joshi show of Korakuen Hall of 2018 um, that was recently beaten by one person. However, there also wasn't the biggest show of the the biggest show of the year next door, so there were less foreigners. So it's it's a good, it's a good sign. It means the locals are coming. But enough of that. Uh, Tom is going to have a lot to say on this one because he was there in person. Hurrah! Yes, I was on my very first trip to Japan. Uh, so far, my only trip to Japan. I I I'd want to go back, obviously. Uh, basically. What happened on the day was, uh, we were thinking, well, I want to go see as many wrestling shows as possible. So I'm there with a couple of friends, uh, Tim and Chris. Chris, who I live with, and Tim, who is our other friend, a former professional wrestler himself, trained by Lance Storm, mm-hmm. who was at that point living out in the Far East as an English teacher. And this was going to be the first time we'd seen him in a few years. Uh, we all met up for the first time when I drove both of them to Ring of Honor shows ten years ago, hmm. uh, and this was almost almost the tenth anniversary as well of the time we went to see uh, Pro Wrestling Noah at, in Coventry, which was quite an awesome occasion. Wow! So uh, this was a bit of a get together for all of us. So then, is Tim a Canadian? If he was trained by Lance Storm? No, he is a Londoner. Aha. Uh-huh. And a, 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 a supremely nice chap, really good, really good guy. But sorry, he sorry, thinks sorry. very lowly of London wrestling training. Well, when he was doing <laughs> it, and he knows quite a lot of the progress guys because he's wrestled a lot of them. He's wrestled Johnny Saint. Mm, wow! Wow! Yeah, uh, he, he knows a lot of them, but he basically left exactly before progress picked off. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Picked up. So, you know, he was literally at that point when everyone was just just before it really got to be something you could do and, and receive a name from. Uh, for instance, uh, he, he was once average, he was part of the, uh, the, the English wrestling scene at the point where you could still have, and his wrestling name was Marcus Brash, he was still advertised as Coloured Superstar Marcus Brash. Amazing. So that was... Is, that's what, like the, 2010. Uh... Okay, so it was even... After, because when I think of British wrestling before it got super popular, I think of Doug Williams and Jody Fleisch. Yeah, that well, that's a, that's a few steps before even Tim. But yeah, uh, but no, Tim's pretty familiar with a lot of those guys. Uh, a lot of them would know him, but he's not. Like I say, he decided to become a 
personal trainer. Anyway, I'm not here to discuss wow. his, entire, his entire life choice. But <laughs> <laughs> Episode but, uh, 1.5, we talk about Tim. Yeah, Marcus Brash. Anyway, um, <laughs> his main claim to fame was the fact that he invented uh, one of Kofi Kingston's finishing moves. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. In spite of the fact that we've found evidence of people doing that move decades before. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. He, he, he thought of it organically. Okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he claims he invented it. That's the important yeah. thing. Yeah. So, me and my, uh, the, the night before, me, uh, myself and Chris had gone to go see Stardom at Shinkiba First Ring. And they, we arrived at the Tokyo Dome on the day, anticipating meeting Tim. Tim had not actually arranged to have a phone on him that would work. So eventually, we just left him a message and said, look, Corican Hall's next door. There's a show on there. It's a women's show. We saw Stardom last night. Let's go see something else. Let's walk up and see if we can just walk into Tokyo Joshi Pro. We got what were probably amongst the last seats sold for the wow. show. It, it was... You know, there's a there's a couple of rows at the back that were empty, but it wasn't much. You know, it was a pretty full show. And uh, you know, we were walking to Corrigan Hall. That's a big deal. That was that was ninety percent of the reason I went, to be honest. Um, Don't blame you. Yeah, you, you've got to go see Corrigan Hall. It's fantastic. I mean, the only other show we saw there was Noah. So wow. Um, but you know, you, you walk in, you find your seats. The seats are very comfortable, which is quite nice. And we sat down to watch this show, Tokyo Joshi Pro. And I guess that's what we—that's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. So you went in with no knowledge of the roster. Nothing at all. Um, the, I would say the only person I had prior knowledge of before going into the show was uh, Dino uh, <laughs> from a couple of clips of DDT shows. So you, you knew know. you knew the male on the roster. The male. I the... knew the one male on the roster. But <laughs> I didn't know. I don't think I knew any of the women. Uh, I, maybe we went through our notes, and I might, might maybe that maybe that's not exactly correct. But I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Right. Oh, that, I knew Vader Scott. Vader Scott. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you know, I knew one import. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. We'll start running down the card. Uh, well, first, did anything happen before the show that's worth mentioning? Um, well, uh, before the show, just trying to think. Because um, you hear sometimes they have musical numbers or something before. I think, and it was. I think this was captured on the uh, on the. We're talking the, the the resource we're using here to rewatch this was the YouTube uh, English language release, uh, which was provided by DDT or. Tokyo, Tokyo Joshi Pro, DDT, same company, effectively. Uh, and so the Maki Ito and I think it's Mizuki, uh, their musical number was intact at the start of the show. Wow. Uh, on the on the video file. So, uh, and it's their usual song. It, they did a whole spiel uh, with various authority figures. Basically, the gist of it was that Maki Ito, being uh, a complete psychopath, basically, <laughs> uh, wants to make a music video, and the, the deal that they, she makes with the company is that she needs to sell all the CDs they have if she wants to make a music video. And so that's her methodology. And she just asks the crowd to buy, everyone to just go buy the uh, go buy the CD and fund this music video, which eventually did get produced. And it did. Awesome. It was great. It's really great. 
yeah, yeah, I was, it's, that's well worth looking up. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first impression of Maki Ito, which okay. I, think it, I think is worth a discussion right now, because uh, I, I get the impression that she's kind of like their Tam Nakano in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yes, uh, but she's still different. Oh, um, no. Wildly different in terms of her personality, per se, but like in terms of her being someone that isn't necessarily at the top of the roster, but they still build a large percentage of their presentation. Yes, yes, around absolutely. her. Yeah, and um, that has a lot of the idol thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's one thing you have to get used to in Tokyo Joshi Pro. A lot of people will be dr- dressed in sort of adapted schoolgirl uniforms. You know, uh, just uh, really playing up the idol personas and and the, some of the merchandise I got, the calendars, the various other bits and pieces. Uh, that I picked up is as merchandise. They uh, they very much follow that idle style of presentation. Absolutely, absolutely. They're uh, they're a company that does not. F- they're not going to be like Stardom or Sendai Girls with really high match of the year candidates. They may have some, um, a few throughout the year, but mostly this is a character driven promotion. That doesn't focus as much on ring work. Uh, not to say that there aren't some really good wrestlers there. I think there are. I th- we'll get through all of them, but uh, it's more, more focused on idols. Yeah, uh, and uh, at this point, I feel I, sh- I should also mention uh, there. Uh, when I when I went to get that calendar and all their other all the other bits and their merchandise in the hall just out, which is just down the steps. Um, leading out of the hall there was such a crush of people <laughs> trying to get merchandise that it was legitimately dangerous wow was it I, for any one person in particular it was just the whole area the whole like area every single person in in that arena during during the halftime portion of the show crushed into this one area and i'm not i'm not joking about this uh i my bag I had to clutch onto for dear life to prevent it coming off me. My wow. shirt was pulled off me. What? Literally pulled off you? Yeah. Well, it's, I was wearing a hoodie. That was that's what was pulled off me. It was. It was like I wasn't walking around shirtless. But oh, okay. Like okay. it was just. It was literally. It was just. It was such a horrendous crush. Wow. Um. Eventually, I managed to secure myself a Maki Ito towel and a couple of other bits and pieces, just because I wanted to remember the show properly and you know, get the show program and everything uh, but let's just say that I don't think they lack for uh, their merchandising money must be pretty good yeah well if you uh, if you have a living will I absolutely want that Makaito towel never <laughs> I'm a wrestling towel collector and if at some point I can't have all of my Dragon Gate and Noah and New Japan and Every single Japanese wrestling towel stitched together into a massive wall hanging. I want them to be buried with me as a shroud. <laughs> I like that idea. Actually, it's not a bad idea. I mean, to be honest, the the, the Minoru Suzuki one would probably be enough for that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple myself, but uh, nothing like you. I only have two. Uh, well, yeah, I, I I started collecting them when Dragon Gate started doing their UK shows, and uh-huh. uh, I had I think I have the majority of the towels they released. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I, I need to, like I say, at some point I want to turn them into a giant wall hanging. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Okay. Um, well, let's go to the first match of the show. Sure. Yeah. I, I, before we do, I just want to say the music, uh, the the live musical act. You may have seen Joshi shows with musical acts before. Ordinarily, it's a very mixed bag. The Maki Ito uh, and Mizuki music, uh, the, the the song they do, is by far my favorite live performance of music at a Joshi show. Oh God, it's it's great. Like you say, if you watch the music video, uh, and a lot of that's probably down to Ito because she used to be in Link, which is a famous uh, idol band in Japan. Mm. I didn't know that actually. I knew she used to be an idol, but yeah, um, L I N Q. I L I N Q. Right. Okay. I will definitely look that up later. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's just the best song as well uh, that that I've seen released of this type. So. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that opening. It was uh, it definitely got me pumped up for the show. We'll have to. Uh, how about this? We'll put a link to the music video in the show notes so everyone can oh, see. Oh, definitely. It. All right, all right. Okay, match number one. I don't really know much about these girls except I've seen them. Uh, they're called the Up Up Girls, and it's four rookies that are coming in together. Um, that's really all I got. Uh, they, they all dress alike with a different color. And I do know from my uh, Twitter wrestling feed that I follow Hikari. I don't remember why, but apparently I do. Um, there's Raku Hikari, which we're a team here, against the other two, Hinano and Miyu. And, and uh, Hikari is blue, Raku is yellow, Hinano is purple, and Miyu is pink. Perfect. Perfect. And they all have their own individual themes as well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this, I think one of the problems with watching the show is the English translation is done by two people, which is uh, oh god, what's the guy's name? Um, Diego and uh, uh, Speedball, right? And Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh. Now Diego, I absolutely admire his multilingual capacity, but being able to speak three languages just doesn't make you a commentator. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Mike Bailey is just kind of there. It's yeah, basic, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's not commentary. It's a couple of guys watching a tape. Yeah, it's more mystery science theater than commentators. Yeah. So, and to top it off, their their audio quality and whatever you want to say about uh, podcast audio quality, DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro have money, and I think they could have done a better job than this. <laughs> they could. Yeah, I will uh, say. Since, the only good thing about that was uh, I watched it both ways. First, I watched it no commentary, and then I watched it with commentary. And I did appreciate Diego's translations. That's the one positive I'll say. It was nice to have that. Yeah, uh, but if we're doing... And I, I, I don't want to spend my entire time comparing this to other promotions, but the way I prefer it done is the stardom way, where it's just subtitled. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. In so, fact, uh, I... We're getting off topic here, but just to say, uh, stardom in general has made me vastly prefer, and I'm not exaggerating, vastly prefer wrestling without commentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the days of the Lance Russells and the Gordon Solis and the Prime JR and those days are long gone. Uh We'll just say that. A lot of wrestling commentary isn't very good. In fact, it's not even really commentary. It's three hours of 
Twitter feeds and advertisements, and it's just... I would much prefer to let the wrestlers tell their own story and let me interpret it, much like reading a book, uh, picturing it in your own head as opposed to seeing a movie. I would rather not have the commentary and be left to my own devices. And I think another another point to that would be the fact that very often indie promotions have... I mean, whatever you want to say about the main, main corporations, the big companies, yeah. indie promotions have really spotty commentary. Uh, Some of the worst you'll ever hear, and it's pretty often. Uh, Rev Pro, I would subscribe to their service if not for the commentary. Right. Which is pretty <laughs> that, damn that, that, that's a harsh That's a harsh arrow to sling, but yeah. uh, my god, I hate Andy Boy Simmons. He is <laughs> absolutely the most irritating man. He's like, he's like if if Matt Stryker was from Essex. <laughs> but yeah. without the wrestling knowledge. <laughs> Andy boy. I, I, I actually feel bad about that because I used to like him quite a lot when he was an uh, actual performer as a wrestler. But, right. Uh, I, I, and I still watch um, RPW shows occasionally, but I don't subscribe for that reason. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yes. Anyway, so these are, these, are, these point five episodes are supposed to be shorter than the regular ones. Uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> let's, let's let's get to the first match. <laughs> okay, first match: Up Up Girls, uh, Raku and Hikari versus Hinano and Miu. Went. Uh, I'm looking at the results here on Pure Resu Spirit, and it looks like it went nine minutes, and Miu won with a Canadian backbreaker. I got to be honest; I don't remember the match at all. I remember the girls, but I don't remember any of the action. So it was it was appropriately basic. Um, I think a couple of them, uh, the we mentioned this wasn't their first match, right? Um, but surprisingly mistake free. I think they had a little. <laughs> this is a little bit of an odd thing to comment on, but there was an outfit, outfit malfunction with plastic straps. Uh, in that, some of the girls were wearing the plastic straps on the outside of their tops, and they kept falling down. And I think by design, they were supposed to be worn on the inside of the tops to hold them up. <laughs> uh, and I it meant so. like, they had these plastic straps hanging down or broken uh, for at least two of them. Yeah. And I, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't notice it when I was actually at the show, but I noticed it on this because it was moderately distracting. But Con- uh, Constantly I, messing with them. Yeah, yeah. But I liked the Canadian backbreaker for the finish. Um, yeah. Uh, Mio and Raku definitely seem like the best prospects of, yeah. uh, of the four at this point. I can't remember who I like. Uh, I believe I like the yellow one, which is, yeah, Raku. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm with you uh, on her. But they're still very very young, very early in their career, and you don't like to throw a lot of criticism at people at that point. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you like to point. look for their, their for their upsides. Yeah. So. And I think they're, they're probably, I, I have no idea how old they are, but I assume they're probably 16, so... Whatever. Yeah, it's it, it's at the point where they don't really have cage match entries yet, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume. Maybe they do. I, I'm clicking on a profile right here for Miu. She was born in 1999. What does that make her? 19? Yeah. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, we can't throw accusations of them putting uh, young girls in their show when we watch Stardom, so... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... So that was that. The next is uh, a lot of people I like a lot, and some that I l- don't think are that good. Okay, so Team 1, we have you, 
Nodoka Onesan and Marika Kobashi against Rika Tatsumi, Hyper Misao, and Yuki Kami Fuku. So. And uh, I, 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 I've written just the, the briefest notes next to them, which is uh, Marika Kobashi is in orange. She's wearing sort of the traditional um, idol style costume. Nadoka Onisan is small and fascinating. We'll get to her, I'm sure, in the course of this match. I love her. Uh, Yu is probably one of the more like uh, larger prototypical uh, Joshi athletes. Uh, Hyper Masao is like a green masked superhero. Uh, Rika Tatsumi is comes out in denim shorts, and uh, when she wrestles by herself on other shows, she comes out to the theme song of Old MacDonald. <laughs> that's uh, that's not. That's um, that's Yuki Kemifuku. Oh gosh, I got them confused, haven't I? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that's right. Yes. Uh, so Rika's the Rika, one Rika, that Rika's in white. Then. Yeah, she's half of the Dragon Bombers. Right. Yes. Sorry, I, I, I apparently got these mixed up. No, no, no. So Yuki comes out to Old McDonald had a farm. Such a weird. Like, I subscribed to DDT um, Universe for about two months and I watched a handful of shows and that really that threw me for a loop every single time I, I lasted about three or four months uh, and I agree I agree that that song <laughs> is not wrestling but I guess her original gimmick was she's supposed to be uh, like a American cowgirl sexy type of thing yeah the, the Midwest farm girl yeah farm girl there you go yeah. and uh yeah so, okay, uh, we'll go through the people on here. First off, uh, you. I really like you. I'm very high on her. Uh, she has a bit of a judo style to her. And as Tom said, she's a bit bulkier. Not necessarily overweight, but muscular. Um, and she's just really great. Uh, she's had some really good matches with Miyu Yamashita, Reiki Saiki, Saiki. And uh, big kaiju Shoko Nakajima, and she's just really good. She plays a bit of a power role, and she does a good job. I think it, uh, she would feel right at home as a regular member of, say, Sendai Girls. Absolutely. But on this roster, she stands out as something different. Yeah. And I think that has a, an advantage in a lot of ways, especially at the top of the roster where they actually do take some of the action a bit more seriously. Yes. Yeah, she is a former, what do they call their title? Princess of Princess champion? Yes, so. I love that thing. I do too. Yeah, she's a former champion, so she's not to be trifled with. So next we have Nodoko Onesan. Nodoko is the shortest person on the roster, and uh, oh, uh, she's also big. She's uh, not muscular. She's just she's, big. Well, she's kind of a powerhouse. Uh, she's kind of a powerhouse, yeah. In a uh, sort of in a sort of Ishii kind of way. Yes, th- that's a good description. Uh, and, but uh, that is that, that is where that comparison ends because she's dressed like she's in a Japanese folktale. Also, I just want to point out her height. She is legitimately four foot nine inches tall. She is incredibly wow. small. She's incredible. She's almost. Uh, little person height, I believe. Yeah, in Mexico, they would be sort of yeah, umming and ahhing about where to put her. 
Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't know which. Actually, no, they wouldn't be umming and eyeing. They'd put her with the the, the minis. The, yeah, the minis, no question. Yeah. Um, but I think she's she's competent in the ring. She's not great. She's not bad. But what I love about her is her entrance uh, routine, where she is doing the role of a Japanese children's show host and leads the crowd in an uplifting dance. And it was getting to the point where I was sort of miming along with her by the time I, <laughs> after a few matches of it, I, I just, I think it's a lot of fun. Wow, okay, the children's show host thing makes so much more sense. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I definitely got a sort of uh, child-friendly feel from her. Yes. Uh, and the fact that she's wearing, like, the, the, the relatively short dress with the frilly underside to it, which her opponents used to kind of humiliate her slightly. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think she's a lot of fun from a character perspective. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you'll hear us say that a lot for Tokyo Joshi Pro. <laughs> Um, the next is Marika Marika Kobashi, and she is also, I think she's good. I mean, there's a lot of good people in this match. She is, uh, if you look at Tokyo Joshi Pro, a lot of people have colors that are theirs exclusively, and she is the one in orange, if you're ever wondering. Um, she has actually- a... Which was Kobashi's old color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe she's Kenta's daughter <laughs> in kayfabe. That's really all I got on her. I don't have much to say. I mean, she's fine. She doesn't really stand out in any way to me. Um, but she's yeah, fine. It, 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 she kind of fulfills like a... <laughs> there's sort of like almost a Power Rangers thing where a lot of people wear roughly different colors of almost the same outfit and the outfits oh, yeah. vary very slightly I, I tend to put marika kobayashi and uh and now i know who she is rika tatsumi in that sort of they wear variations of the same things and at some point they're going to break further out into what they are yes absolutely absolutely mizuki is a lot like that too yeah yes um next the opposing team rika tatsumi uh Rika's one half of the Dragon Bombers with Maho Kurone, and uh, that's a great tag team, and everyone loves Maho, um, but we'll get to her later. (laughs) Um, Rika wears all white with gold trim, and she's good. Uh, I think a lot of people like her more than I do. I think she's fine, Uh, but that's really all I would say. I, I, I guess for me, she's a lot like Marika, where... She's fine, but she she's just sort of there. I don't really... She doesn't stand out to me. No, I, again, like I say, she, she was just a person in a six-man here. Yeah, yeah. All right, next we have female Shane Helms, Hyper Misao. <laughs> she is all green, uh, doing a superhero gimmick, but the twist is... Uh, she's a superhero fighting for good and all that, but the twist is she's always cheating behind the referee's back. Um, I actually saw a Twitter exchange the other day where some fan was talking about a Hyper Misao picture and said, you need to team up with uh, the Hurricane. And out of nowhere, Shane Helms responded and said, agree. 
<laughs> and, and then Hyper Misao responded to him and said, absolutely. So if we ever get uh, Shane Hel- Hurricane Helms and Hyper Misao in a Tokyo Joshi Pro match, I will know the origin. And uh, I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be tremendous. I mean, uh, Hyper Misao definitely comes off as a a heel but like you say with that superhero gimmick so yeah. to the point where I, or at certain points I was asking if she was meant to be a super villain but right but uh, definitely of these probably the most character orientated on her side opposite Nadoka yes I would say yeah okay and last but not least uh, Yuki Kamifuko Yuki Kamifuko let me say that again <laughs> Yuki Kamifuku. Okay. We, we, we're we're going to get a lot of questions about a pronunciation, so I suggest yes. we just we just wade right in. That's right. <laughs> just go on the deep end. <laughs> um, she spent a lot of years in America, so she speaks almost fluent English, um, which is interesting because if you follow a lot of these girls on instagram they do uh live shows actually before we turned this on i was watching a live uh instagram show by maho kurone which was pretty pretty interesting but anyways that's how i know that yumi is or i'm sorry i did it again yuki is almost fluent in english um which has to help a lot of other girls on the roster by her being able to do that um, she is the one we mentioned that is a Midwest farm girl, comes out in a cowboy hat and Daisy Dukes, um, to Old McDonald had a farm. She's not good at wrestling yet. She may someday be, but now she's not. Um, she's, but, someone, she's someone who's there for her look. Largely. Yeah, I was going to say, she's there for her looks because she does get... Featured quite a bit in quite a few things because she's five foot eight and rail thin and pretty in the face, and she's going to be featured for being very attractive. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it would be dangerous throwing out rail thin on this promotion, uh, considering other people who are on the roster. Well, but, right, yes, <laughs> but no, she is slim and probably the most magazine conventionally attractive. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so that's that matchup. And <laughs> the thing about talking about idle promotions, especially one like this, which is heavily idolized, uh, what I mean is into that sort of idle culture, is that we are largely in this for watching the wrestling. I yeah. was a wrestling fan for, yeah. you know, 18 years before I decided to step into the world of Joshi. Right. And right. I'm not especially obsessed with necessarily the individual looks of certain people, but because it's an idol promotion, you actually have to consider these things and they have to be talked about it. Yes. So we're yeah. trying not to come across as massive, you know... Pigs. Oh, we're watching, yeah, we're watching this for the girls. Uh, yeah. But, but it is a consideration of what who is marketable and why. Yes. So... Yeah. And we'd yeah. be lying if we weren't affected by some of that. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. Okay, so uh, you won this and... She sort of does have a female Taz body, so it's appropriate that she won with the Kata Hajime on Hyper Misao. Is that insulting to say her body looks like the female Taz? Uh, that might describe, be. You could describe her as a powerhouse, I guess. She's a powerhouse. What I mean yeah, is yeah. she's short and squat. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a there's a rule at Pro Wrestling Eve where you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to do chants and insults based around physical appearance. Oh, good, good. Um, which is a really positive thing, and I really yeah. like it. Well, um, I, I didn't mean it as an insult. No. Well, yeah. th- th- exactly. We're using this as descriptive. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. not condemning anyone for their look. No, absolutely not. I <laughs> am the last person to talk. <laughs> well, me either. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Tom said, we're not really. I mean, you can tell if a girl's pretty, but we're not watching this for pretty girls. Uh, you can it's see tw- pretty girls anywhere. I was going to say, it's 2018, the internet's there. We wouldn't have to go to a niche of a niche of a niche to find pretty girls. So, yeah. We're using yeah, like, these uh, as descriptions. Yeah, like, but yeah, like I say before, if you, if, you, if, you, if you mention to your family you're watching women's wrestling, they'll look at you like you review strip clubs online. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so yeah, she won the Katahajime. Next, we get, I would call her the Chris Wolf of Tokyo Joshi Pro because she is, the term I like to use, the gateway drug for a lot of people. Maho Kurone, who is a zombie girl and basically is, uh, what's what's the term, Tom, Um, when proper actors live the role that they're Method acting, is that it? Method, yes, that's correct. I, I think she's pretty close to method acting, judging from her <laughs> personal life pictures. I think she really likes this. And, uh, okay, her opponent here is Veda Scott. I'll mention that, too. Um, um, who was probably most best known to a lot of people as a manager in Ring of Honor. Yes, yeah. yeah. I believe... Uh, I didn't watch a lot of Ring of Honor when she was around. I don't know who uh, she would have managed. either, but that is yeah. where I know the name from. Yeah, me too, me too. Um, and she was fine. Um, well, I, I'd go so far as to say, from a character point, Vega yeah. Scott in this match was brilliant. Was I this the fire. one where she tried to offer her a head of lettuce or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Mahu Corone, who comes out to horror music, with a hand, a severed hand, dangling from her face, and blood dripping from her pale, uh, you know, makeup, makeup face and everything. And Veda Scott comes out and tries to convince her to live a vegan lifestyle. Yeah, I think Veda's a real-life vegan. Yeah, offering her a head of lettuce and various other vegetables, (laughs) which immediately gets shredded. (laughs) Yeah, well, when uh, I think it was the lettuce, when Maho slapped it out of her hand, it just exploded into a million pieces into the audience. Which I, I, that's one of my most memorable spots for Tokyo Joshi Pro. I really like that moment. But. Yeah, I, 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 and Maho actually, thinking about it, Maho would be one of these rare people who I had seen something of before. I yeah. remember seeing like an outdoor street fight or something, which <laughs> was like her there, moving amongst the crowd, and that is creepy. It is, and that was also famous because she kept running after children that were literally crying and screaming <laughs> and running from her. It was really great. So she's actually kind of like the Lance Archer of, uh, right. of Tokyo Joshi Pro as well. <laughs> yeah, so... But yeah, Maho is... Uh, she's solid in the ring. I do think she's good. She doesn't mess up. She's not out of place, but she's not spectacular. But it's hard to be with the restrictions of the gimmick because she does play up the zombie thing in terms of her work yeah one of my favorite sequences in the match is uh vader has some technical advantages i guess um uh over maho in just like you say because of the presentation and the maho working into her gimmick her 
her strengths are fear based. Yes. Um, but when Vader starts delivering like the Daniel Bryan style kicks, and Mahu takes one to the chest, lying down, and then just sort of does not a Taker style zombie sit up, but sort of like a that sort of that creepy sit up where it's like she's been drawn up by strings. Right, right. And then the kick down again, and it just happens again, and Vader really starts freaking out because Mahu's <laughs> doing such an unnerving job of yes. recreating that like. That genuinely creepy atmosphere. Yeah, um, she's excellent at that. And it's so, it's so. I know this is a very character-based promotion, but Mahu feels completely at odds with everything else in this promotion. Yeah. As well, she's very unique. Yeah, she is. Uh, well, well worth looking at if you want to try and find your latest uh, speciality gimmick in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, um, and she's interesting behind the scenes too. Uh, like I said, she really likes it. She recently just had, I think it's finished now, um, but she was updating it in her Instagram moments. She recently had her tongue split. I don't know if you were aware of that. Um, oh. Yeah, and it looks oh. it looks really scary and creepy. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, I like don't that either. It goes about a half inch back. And it's, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why she did that. Someone asked her, I mean, I guess I do because that's the lifestyle she likes, but someone asked her what her next body mod was going to be, and her response is suspension. Uh, which I assume means she's going to get hooks through her back skin and hang from a ceiling? Is that? I believe that's what that is. I don't want to know. I, 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 <laughs> Sorry. I, I saw that in a like a clip from a... Uh, Japanese movie at some point um, which forgive me I'm forgetting right now um, but oh. yeah so she uh, that's, 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 that's why I say ups- that's upsetting that's why I say method actress and, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm talking here as a fairly sort of a conventionally white bread person I have no piercings Right. Uh, right. I dyed my hair once <laughs> <laughs> I have one tattoo and no piercings so I'm not much further um, Whatever you're into, it's absolutely fine. But uh, the tongue splitting. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean you want to look. We want to look at it. <laughs> um, also, with her, I think she does a lot of practice on some neat things because you'll see things where she's. It's it'll be a video of her hand, and she's practicing twitching individual fingers for that sort of you know to tie into the zombie thing and. I think she loves her gimmick, and I more power to her. It's great. She's certainly extremely good at it. Yeah, she is. Um, uh, which is why it was a little bit surprising, I guess. This would be Vader Scott's first match of the company, yes? Uh, one of them. I don't know if it was the first, but it was close. Yeah, uh, Vader got the win here as well, so... Uh, which plays into stuff later on the show, but I wasn't expecting Vader Scott to get a win. Uh over Maho because I I'd heard of Maho right this and I, I figured she would she was a some sort of reasonable deal like a, I thought she would be protected in almost like an undertaker kind of way right uh, I didn't I didn't figure on her dropping a lot of falls but yeah especially to a side suplex yeah I know jeez yeah this match was about seven minutes long it felt longer because there was a lot of antics and yeah. running around the ring and running through the crowd and th- this was a very character-based match. There wasn't a huge amount to it, but I was, she, uh, surprised, 
I was surprised when it went the way it did. And uh, spe- uh, speaking of the actual action, I don't know if she did it here, but Maho has one of my favorite moves in all of wrestling, um, where she gets the opponent seated in the ropes from, you know, whatever happenstance gets them there. And she comes running across the ring, slides out feet first under the bottom rope, and German suplexes the person hard back into the ring while she slides out of the ring. And it just looks it looks really, really cool. It looks great, but I saw Chris, Chris Wolf do it first. And, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, and I don't know who thought of it first, so... Well, I do. Well, it's Maho then, isn't it? No, no, no. It's, uh, it's Tim. <laughs> <laughs> he's not that creative. <laughs> he, he's invented every move. He, um, he, invent, he, he semi-invented one move. <laughs> well, now, now I'm giving him credit for another. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, um, but uh, no, I, I, I think I've seen that also on uh, Sendai Girl's show at the corner as well. Although yeah. The, the, the idea that you run in and slide up actually someone who's on the second rope at the corner has obvious problems because it kind of means you're wishboning yourself. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, so I think the rope solution is better. But it, uh, yeah. but yeah, that is that I hadn't seen that move a huge amount before I started watching either Chris Wolf or Maho and Yeah. Uh it's it's really it's it looks impactful. Yeah, I, I don't think I had seen it before those two. And uh when I was in New Orleans for WrestleMania, it one of those indie shows uh, some low card person did it, and I I popped pretty big. I was very happy. I don't remember who did it, but I, I was happy at the time. <laughs> so that's a cool move. Um, I guess we'll move on to the next match. Next well, match. Actually, there there is sorry? a um, a video package for an incoming U.S. talent, uh, Samara, uh, which I only uh-huh. mentioned because it's. It's interesting that Tokyo Joshi Pro... One of the things that we haven't necessarily got into a huge amount here, but they have a much larger parent company. um, And their production facilities and video packages are top-notch. Yeah, you you can't beat them. They're genuinely very good. Uh, Their video packages were playing during the show for these matches, and they were excellent. And the fact that they had video packages for incoming US talents with footage they'd sourced... Yeah, is a marked difference between them and other uh, other Joshi promotions that I've had the opportunity to see so far. Yeah, uh, honestly, if you want to get, I would say the only people with better production than Tokyo Joshi would be uh, the big ones, New Japan or WWE. Other than that, it's not nobody's going to match that. No, no, it's a, yeah. it's one of their biggest strengths. Yeah, they're owned by a television company, so. Yeah. Okay, so the next match on the card would be an intergender match. So I suppose we can delve into that topic a little bit too. It's going to be Maki Ito versus Don Shoku Dino. Uh, Don Shoku, of course, being Japanese for sodomy. So, uh, you didn't know that? Nope. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not surprised, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, his name is Sodomy Dino. Um... I mean, his entrance consists of coming out and kissing men in the front row. So yes, it does. Yes, it does. This is one of those matches where, I mean, 
if you're into Joey Ryan style sleaze, this was probably for you. Um, and I that, that that that's not the entirety of what it was. Um, but I think Dan Chicadino is one of those things where if you're going to be super PC about a lot of a lot of your aspects of wrestling, and I have no problem with that if you are, because I am as well. This was very much not the most PC interpretation of, say, gay people or you know their attitudes towards everything. Dan Chicadino is kind of like a uh, a very old school version of a wrestling gay character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's sort of Christopher Street connection, <laughs> except probably more. Probably more. yes. Yeah, because they had the flamboyant thing, but Dino, he takes it to another level. He really does. Yeah, um, uh, and he's like, but the thing that plays into him is that I think he's actually a he's a very good performer. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he knows what spots will get responses from the crowd. He knows what works. He has things which I was absolutely cringing at during the match, which. You know, you can't deny that the act works for this crowd, yeah. even if you would object to perhaps some of the interp- some of the stuff behind it. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, some, I can definitely see some people watching this imagine having a big problem with it for various reasons, but yeah. that could be one of them. All that said, I really liked this match. I got to admit. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, Let's preface it a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about intergender. I, as a rule, hate intergender. It's not good. It'll never be good. Uh, 99.9% of the time. This, for me, was the 0.1% where I did like it. Um, I, okay, uh, since we're going to get into this, I have... There's a very definite line for me where intergender works and does not work. So, for example, uh, for a long time I was a big Shikara fan, and through Shikara I found out a lot of uh, about a lot of uh, performers. It's the first place I saw Mako Setamura, uh, and Dash, Dash Chisako. Uh, it's the first place I saw a number of uh, people who I wouldn't have expected to... Nixon uh, Newell. It's the first place I saw her. Mm. And I think within the, the universe of that promotion intergender works um, and a lot of performers benefit in a lot of a lot of regions don't have a huge amount of depth when it comes to their women's talent who people can work with and learn from and in those environments it's more helpful if the girls can work against guys at certain points now do I think WWE should do intergender? No. Do I think that intergender is always a positive thing? No. Because I've seen Asuka versus Minoru Suzuki, and I'm yeah. very uncomfortable with it. Minoru Suzuki versus Mio Shirai is no yeah. more comfortable. Yeah. So, um, But I will say, in the case of these Minoru Suzuki matches, the, that is exactly why I don't like it. But it's also because it's the only way I think it can be done. There is... I I just... I don't think a professional female fighter 
can beat a professional male fighter, period. Now, could they beat up me and Tom? Yeah, they'd wipe the floor with us. So I'm okay, say, if a female wrestler beats the holy hell out of a a male jobber or a male manager or whatever. But if, I don't care who, I don't care if it is Asuka, if you're fighting Minoru Suzuki, there's only one way in my head that works, and unfortunately there's only one way in Minoru Suzuki's head that that works, and that's what you get. And that's why I don't find it entertaining. I don't want to watch a woman get beat up by a man. That's just not what I think is a good time. And I completely understand that. And again, one of the reasons why intergender is problematic is how open to interpretation and acceptance it is. So, for instance, when I was at Fight Club Pro watching Mako Setomura vs. Pete Dunne, Right. I could turn to my left and see fans who weren't thinking about it in any dodgy terms at all. They weren't thinking about it in terms of... They just saw Mako as a underdog. Right. Uh, doing a very good job of fighting up and fighting through a tough opponent. Right. But I could turn to my right and see the security guard stood in the aisle next to me, who clearly did not know what the hell to make of what was going on and that's the side of it which, you know, if someone sees this for the first time, I think it can be very problematic. You have to have the right kind of audience, who, and it has to be a small audience almost every time, who understands how this sort of thing works. Because, okay, uh, Minoru Suzuki, extremely serious wrestler, uh, extremely serious background. Yes. Yes, I don't, I, I, I don't see many women being able to beat him. But, for instance, a Jerry Ryan, okay. who, is a bu- who is a buffoon. Yes, yes. To be Exa- fair to him. Exactly, and that's uh, a lot of what I was saying. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's, I, th- I think there are certain wrestlers with whom it can work. But, it, again, it's such a case by case thing. I can yeah. be perfectly fine with it in one second and be, have problems with it in the next minute, you know? Yep. I think that, especially in the UK here, people like Nixon Newell would not have come as far as they did and be in WWE now without access to working with Pete Dunne's. Yeah. And those sort of talents. Uh, that got her where she is now. And I think You could that... say the same for Candice LeRae. Exactly. You definitely could say the same thing for Candice LeRae. You could almost say the same thing for Sarah Amato, who mm. did uh, intergender stuff uh, whilst in Shikara. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that was the meat that was the meat of her overall work, but she did it. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> uh, it was a part of her career. So it's one of those things where I I find it tough to condemn it every single case, but I also completely understand how problematic it can be. Yeah. With reference to this match, it is <laughs> it walks that line of being problematic in terms of its man-on-woman violence, but also Aki Ito's such a great underdog. Yeah, and uh, that's what I was going to say. I'll come right back to it because it relates uh, about the Pete Dunne, Mako Satomura example is they're both some of the best in the world, so I think there's a much higher chance of probability that those two people can make it work. And to tie it back to this... uh, I don't think Makito and Sadami Dino are the two best workers in the world or anything, but they knew how to make it work. So there were some spots that were straight up uncomfortable, but Makito's, uh, I guess you could use the 
the common term of fighting spirit as she took this this uh this loss is what made me like the match so much. I just really liked it when Maki fired up and her reactions and how she took the post match and she got Dino's respect and all of this. Uh, I th- I thought all that was well done. Now they ha- they could have a rematch tomorrow, work a totally different way, and I would hate it. Yeah. Um, well, I think the fact the fact that the, the main offense that Dino used during the match was a body slam. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. And, and I think three brainbusters. Yeah, he wasn't well. brutalizing her. Yeah. Yeah, but they were strong slams. But I think it was yeah. because she's a wrestler. You tend to get the impression like. This is, it's a slam. It's a it's a standard move. It's yeah. a big one, and it looks painful. And she sells it very well. Yes, but it's but still a body slam. It's still just a body slam. And the brainbusters were sort of towards the end of the match when she, it was really showcasing her fighting spirit, and uh, and she was making her comebacks through the fact that she has a head of concrete. Yeah, one of her uh, gimmicks is a hard head. Uh, through the nut shots that she <laughs> that she continuously kept delivering, like she was Nakamura. Right, uh, and uh, her big spot was uh, kissing him. Yeah, <laughs> which which he hated. And he was, hated it. It was it was by far the most sort of like if you're gonna if you're gonna be really strictly PC about this, this wasn't on. But like, right. for they, the comedy of the moment was so good that I yeah I I, I enjoyed it. So yeah. Uh, and him just fighting to get rid of her, and her like clamping onto him like a face hugger, and yeah. pulling him closer was yeah. it was so well done. Um, yeah, I really was. enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's intergender wrestling. That's Maki Ito and Dan, Dan Shokodino. Uh, uh, and of course, the finish was uh, a pile driver where he puts her face inside his trunks. Right. I believe that's just his finish, though. Yeah. 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 It's not like he was doing that because she's a woman. That's just what he does to everybody. No, and and he's wearing trunks underneath, so it's not like it's right. Yeah, it's it's it's, but it's just it's humiliating. Uh, yeah, but at yeah. the same time, like you say, she got his respect through yep. the match. Yeah, she, at the at the end of the match, he respected her. So because that was she, great. She played his game as much as he did. Yep, she did, and. uh I guess we could talk more about Maki Ito, uh, just because she really is, arguably, at least to Western fans, uh, for sure. I would say she's probably the star of the promotion. Um, Her character work is amazing. She has a character where she's very entitled, I suppose you could say. I don't know how to describe it. She, hmm... How would you describe Maki Ito's <laughs> character, Tom? I, I think it's very much that, like you say, she comes from a world of where she is an idol, and she come, has come into this other world and expects to be immediately a success. Um, she throws tantrums. The tantrums. She, and like you say, the entitlement is the key thing. She she believes she is due certain things, but it's yeah. kind of adorable, instead yes. of being... Um, Everything about her should make her a massive heel, but it just yes. kind of makes you sort of want to f- cheer her and fight along with her. Yeah. Um, and, and especially the end of this match was particularly funny when uh, she starts selling the loss uh, and starts sobbing and having a breakdown and crying in the ring. 
but not like just sobbing in a sort of Ric Flair kind of way. It's comedy crying. Right. It is wailing. Yeah. <laughs> and then she cuts an uplifting promo. Yes. And then starts to sing. Yeah. But she's still crying. <laughs> so she walks so the entire way up to the up the ramp and, and out of the arena yeah. whilst crying and singing at the same time. And the entire crowd is laughing. Yeah. Because it is genuinely a hilarious performance to see how completely broken and pathetic this person has become. But it's kind of... Because... It's endearing. There's, there's, there's no meanness about it because yeah. it's, she's so obviously doing a comedy act. Yeah. That uh, I thought she was one of the highlights of the whole show. Yeah, just and she from that she always is, and she constantly one of her, she screams at a lot of people. She takes no shit from anyone. She is constantly screaming it. In fact, she gives shit to everyone. The exact opposite. She likes to give people the middle finger all the time. She likes to scream in their faces. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, really, for me, at least. But she's she's just great. She's a vast pool of charisma. Yes, that is her, that is her main advantage and what really carried her through this match. Yeah. Uh, and it's the reason she opens the show. It's, you know, you can see why they build a lot of the thing around her. Yeah. Uh, I am a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we spent a little bit of time on match number four. Match number five, Neo Bishiki Gun, uh, Goon versus Nonoko and Yuna Manase, which are known as the Super Milk Combination. Now, the reason they're called that is because they both have very large breasts and breasts give milk. So, Neo Bashiki Gun, to me, is one of the acts uh, that carries the promotion. Uh, Saki-sama and Azusa Christie. Uh, Saki-sama, there's, there's some kind of anime genre that she's doing here. But it's where she's a very haughty girl, a rich girl, uh, just a haughty rich girl. And she... Thinks everyone's beneath her, and she's extremely condescending. Um, and and she, hands out, she hands out roses and stuff, I think. She wears a gigantic derby-style hat. Um, and she walks very deliberately. She does a great job. Saki-sama's great. And Azusa Christie uh, didn't even want to be with her originally. However, she was kidnapped by Saki-sama's daughter... Or I said daughter, Saki-sama's doctor, um, with a... I, I saw it happen. I believe they put a needle in her neck and then carried her prone body to the back. And when she, Lord. Yeah, it went, <laughs> that's DDT for you. <laughs> and, when, and the next time you saw Azusa, which used to be, what, Azusa Takigawa, she was Azusa Christie, and she wears a nun outfit, uh, at least... The, the hood that they wear and carries a Bible, but I think it's the Bible of Saki-sama and always has her hands clasped and she is uh, just completely enthralled with Saki-sama. She lives for Saki-sama. It's such a odd combination it is. Uh, of people and uh, yeah um, I've seen at least three matches with these two now 
and I am not a fan. Really? <laughs> yeah. You didn't uh, like their title win? Their title win over the... Uh, that uh, was on the follow-up show, wasn't it? It was on some show after that. Um, uh, I wish I could think of their names. I know who it is, and I know that people call them the Miracle Apricots, and they got very angry about that and said it's the Mira Klins or something. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, we'll like, get to them later. I just... Saki-sama is... The reason I said earlier on that if we're going to talk about thin people, Saki-sama is so thin she's not credible as a wrestler. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's like... that's I really hate to throw things around like that, but she kind of looks ungainly and unconvincing. Right. If you know what I mean? Um, and I'm not a huge fan of the act. And I also... The, the, the opposite side of this was their opponents here uh, who were kind of like if you think like think of heavy machinery and then imagine <laughs> that they're a boob comedy team <laughs> that's a pretty perfect combination there's uh, one squat one there's one taller one uh, they both have roughly the same kind of gimmick yeah um, they kind they just they just kind of work a lot of boob related comedy like arm ringers in the cleavage um, boobs jump- for punches the, the jumping chest attack, just like heavy machinery, yeah, with the head getting caught in the boobs, yeah. Um, Most of Nonoko's offense is boobs. Yeah, D- didn't she retire shortly after this? Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, um, it's the kind of thing where, like, I, 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 I will stand my ground and respectably continue to watch Joshi when other people enter the room a lot of the time. But this is one of those acts where I'm yeah. sort of like, I, I, I'd struggle. Yeah, so the the equivalent to this for a Western fan that doesn't watch Joshi is everyone's had the moment where you're watching wrestling, WWE, Raw, Nitro, whatever, and they're doing just something completely stupid and you don't want someone to walk in. Rikishi stink faces. Rikishi stink faces. uh, I don't know. There's a hunter having sex with a corpse. There's a million examples. Uh, that's basically what it feels like when you're watching a Nonoko match. Uh, you don't want anybody to see you doing it. It's not that they're without charm or that like you don't kind of appreciate the spots on a basic, again, kind of Joey Ryan type level. Exactly. Um, but it's just... I struggle to connect with that when I've just been watching Maki Ito. Right. Or if I've just been watching um, Maho Karone who I think are, like, the apex of gimmickry in this right. promotion. Right, right. This is much more sort of... Not for me, I think. Right. <laughs> is the way I would put it. And I would, yeah. I, would, I would put both of them in that category, because I've watched I watched a decent amount of anime, but I'm not necessarily... The Saki-sama thing is not necessarily such an automatic get for me, because it, I think it links to something that I'm not as culturally familiar with. Yeah. Um... And maybe if like her promos were subtitled and I had like immediate immediate sort of direct access to what stuff she said in that fashion, she might get over with me. But she hasn't so far, right? Uh, and I haven't enjoyed their matches, <laughs> to be right. honest. I loved their title title win. I I can't deny that. But they were also uh, going against a really really excellent team. Um, 
And I do want to say before we move on that although Unamana say is sh- uh, shoved in here by Tokyo Joshi, uh, she's legitimately a good wrestler, and she her career hasn't been spent doing boob spots. It's just uh, they teamed her up and told her that's what you're doing, and that's what she did. Uh, <laughs> but she is, I believe, she started in stardom, um, and she oh, is, yeah. So I mean, she's she's a very good wrestler, but I guess whoever books it said you have big breasts. You're teaming with Nonoko, and that's what we got. Okay, so we're split on Neo Bashiki Gun Goon, and uh, we'll just move on. So the next <laughs> well, I, I, again, I would like to say, and not to repeat a theme necessarily, but uh, Nonoke being consoled after the match by. I don't know who it was consoling her. Uh, maybe a celebrity of some kind. Um, she was, again, it sounds like I've got a weird thing about this, but her <laughs> crying after the match was genuinely hilarious. Yeah. And it was different from from uh, Makiito earlier because Nonoke ed- exited via the side exit of the arena and thus you could hear the echo of her crying as she went the entire way down a corridor, which you couldn't see. And it was just like, like yeah. at least a minute after the match, all of a yeah. sudden you just heard, yeah. like, and the entire arena just chuckles because yeah. it's so ridiculous. And no, I mean, they are funny. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just the thing you don't want someone, a non-wrestling exactly. fan, to see you watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay, so we got two matches left here. So the next match on the show is going to be the Tokyo Princess Tag Championship match. Here we have the team of, don't call them the Miracle Apricots, Mira Cleons, M-I-R-A, capital M-I-R-A, capital C-L-I-A-N-Z. I don't know what that means in Japanese, but if you say it wrong, Big Kaiju is going to be really mad. <laughs> So, do not call them the Miracle Apricots. So, they were taking on... They were the tag team champions at this point, and they were taking on Mizuki and Riho. So, Mizuki is Maki Ito's, I guess, singing partner. Um, She's been uh, wrestling for a little while uh she's actually been wrestling since 2012 so she's got more experience than most of these girls okay and her tag team partner is uh i always forget uh riho riho now riho uh to tie this back to yourself tom is a wrestler for gato move and gato move is owned by emmy sakura Mm -hmm. And last night on Twitter, I saw Emmy Sakura's post. She was at Pro Wrestling Eve uh, with you. When I was in the top row balcony, I was yes. sat there. And after the War Games match, in which Emmy Sakura was a participant, she came around and shook the hand of everyone in the balcony. Really? It was. I looked over my shoulder, and Emmy Sakura was there, and I sh- and she shook That's my so hand, cool. and she shook Chris's hand, and she went back across, and she made sure to shake the hand of absolutely everyone in the balcony. She's that is so such cool. a nice person, and she did a really, really good job in the match. 
And I believe that Chris bought a Gato Move uh, T-shirt as well. Oh wow, that's that. People have that term like uh, dirt indies or whatever, like for extremely small yeah, independents. Indie sleaze, yeah. that's the term, and uh, that's definitely Gato Move. They have shows in like business fronts and things. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're 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 very the shirt, small. I believe has Gato Move and then a list of uh, international locations in which their shows have occurred. Um, it's a very simple that's, shirt, that's but it's awesome. like it's one of those ones that's so niche that you kind of want to have it because no one yes, no one knows what it I, is. Those I, are the best wrestling shirts. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I might have bought that myself if I were there. Also because I just... Emi Sakura is just fantastic anyway, so I really like her. But we'll get to her on a, another episode. Um, and I guess that wasn't as much of a surprise to you as I thought it was going to be, because before the show, I didn't know she was going to be on there until I saw the Twitter. It was a complete surprise to me. I said, what is she doing? Well, she was actually but, in, the, uh, in the She Won for Eve before um in the same really? block see i didn't i have i still haven't seen any eve uh, well i think on the on their um on their youtube there's a free uh she one show which is their equivalent of the g1 imaginatively named ah. uh and her and mako satamura were <laughs> in the same block which uh oh, there's a there's at least okay. one show there and it was very fun and worth watching especially especially yeah, if you cause... enjoy session moth martina so Okay. <laughs> yeah, because she's been... Emi Sakura's been around forever. I mean, she was in AJW in uh, JWP. Yeah, I, I didn't know who she was, honestly, uh, until I looked up her background and sort of got, got more of a feel for her. Um, but that, yeah. the, that, the, the, the She Won show was the first time I'd seen her, and I think, to be honest, last night was at uh, Wrestle Queendom was probably the second time I've seen her. Uh, but again, yeah, super yeah. nice, uh, and I really appreciated how how close she how much she appreciated the audience. It was, it was a very it was a very nice. Well, gesture. that's that's how you stay successful for twenty three yeah, years. Yeah. So yeah, she debuted in the mid nineties. So okay, so that aside, the champions are I think a great team made up of two of my favorite uh, performers on this roster. Um, Mira Kleons is Yuka Sakazaki and Shoko Nakajima. Uh, Yuku, Yuka Sakazaki, she has, I guess her gimmick is that she's Aladdin. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. She wears the, uh, the big Aladdin pants and she wears, I guess the girl version of his vest where it would obviously have to close in the front. Um, and she looks like something that would come out of a genie's but also, to me. It, it, it kind know. of fits for me, just because of the way um, in her high flying, when she hits that top rope, she seems to hover in midair. Yeah. Uh, it kind of and and the big, you know, the whatever you want to call the hammer pants. They they really. Yeah. It, it, I, I get like a Sabu feel off her, but like if but yeah, I was if gonna... Sabu had like a hundred percent hit ratio with his moves. <laughs> that was I remember when I first talked to you about her and that's exactly how you yeah. described it and it was so perfect that that's how I've described her ever since it's Sabu without yeah, the yeah, botches which for many people would take yeah. away a lot of the appeal of Sabu but I mean when it comes to Joshi I'm perfectly fine with someone not botching yeah and she she 
she really does some incredible stuff. Uh, she has amazing balance. Um, I think she, as far as physical talent, is arguably the most physically talented one there. Um, she just does some amazing things. She also has another gimmick uh, where she's an evil clown uh, called Milk Clown. And she does a different moveset, uh, for the most part, as Milk Clown and does other moves that are just incredible. I, I, I'm a real big fan of hers. I like her a lot. Now, she might fall into your problem uh, with being too skinny. She's another one that's very... Skinny, slim. I, I, I did get an impression uh, of her, but that's probably she's not that tall, and her her outfit doesn't yeah. emphasize it. So I I never I honestly I saw her as roughly the same as anyone else in this match. Aha, good, good. Yeah, I like her, and her partner. I really like her too. It's uh, Shoko Nakajima. She is a very short woman. She's four ten, so she just barely beats out uh, uh, Onesan. She is one of the Tokyo Joshi Originals, debuting in 2013 with a couple others. Um, I believe the others are Miyu and uh, Yuka. I could be mistaken. I think it's those three that are still left. Um, she sort of gets Chris Wolf comparisons because she has furry bits to her costume. Um, yeah, sort um, of, uh, yeah, very wolf. Well, not, not actually a wolf. But yeah, very um, animalistic. Yeah, animalistic. Uh, but she will tell you she is not an animal. She is a kaiju. And a kaiju is Godzilla, Mothra. It's one of those gigantic monsters from those wonderful Japanese films of the uh, mid-20th century. And that's what she is. One of her nicknames is Big Kaiju, which I think is absolutely fantastic that's that's a hell of a nickname and a lot of times uh she doesn't always go a hundred percent so you don't always realize how good she is but when she does go a hundred percent she is just she has an amazing amount of speed to her she's just incredibly fast and uh and it's I've good seen stuff her do that uh, second rip german as well Oh, yeah, I've, I've spotted that uh, <laughs> on one of the matches which she had, which also, again, uh, doesn't necessarily you know distinguish her from Chris Wolf sometimes, but uh, but right. I do recognise <laughs> that she is very uh, very talented and very creative. Um, yeah, yeah. So and the, the, her and Yuka together. Yeah, is a I definitely team. had a very strong impression of those two coming off this match, partially because they brawled all over the arena. Uh, yeah, how was it live? Well, I was um, I was sat on the left in Corrigan Hall, uh, up towards where the exit is uh, on the fire exits on each side, and sort of uh, the corridor where you can cross from one side to the other. And they brawled right up behind me, uh, but the camera showed the pair that was brawling on the other side of the arena. Of course, if you of stop course. it and go really forensic, really super forensic. You can see <laughs> my head just. Um, oh man, you got about a quarter second of of uh, top of your yeah, head. There. Yeah, I felt, yeah, I felt like the guy in the green shirt at the front row of every WWF pay per view. <laughs> oh my! I don't want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <him>. <laughs> I, I'm clearly a massive fame hog. So. 
That's right. So, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, but no, they, they came up into the crowd, which I, I have to admit at this point, I was jet-lagging through some of this at this point. I started to get a bit tired towards the end of the show. And the fact that the match quality towards the end of the show took a big step up is what kept me in it, which was nice. Um, Absolutely. These guys coming out into the crowd and brawling around everyone, that always energises a crowd that might be losing something in a three-hour show that you always lose. You know, there's a lot of matches, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff to sit through. You need something that's going to step out into the crowd and energise them. And uh, I think this yeah. was that match. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, it was just a really good match. Uh, the champs won. Mira Cleons, uh with the magical <laughs> magical girl splash from Yuka. Uh, she pinned Mizuki, and uh, it was V two for them. And afterwards, the people that eventually wrest the titles from them, Saki Sama and Azusa Christie, Neo Bashiki Gun, come out and challenge. Okay, now. The main event, uh, this is a hell of a match. You have champion, fourth ever champion, Reika Saiki versus uh, the girl that, or the woman, that actually got me into the promotion personally, uh, the fabulous Miyu Yamashita. Um, so I guess we can go through them. Uh, first, we'll start with the champion, since uh, she's listed first, Reika Saiki. She is uh, the o- one of only two females on the Wrestle One roster uh, with Hana Kimura. That comprises their entire Joshi division. I believe they were trained together, and they are lended out uh, similarly. Although usually the different places, I have no idea why. Um, but yeah, so that's Reka, and it looks like Wrestle One can really teach. Uh, women wrestlers quite well because I am big fans of both of them. Mm. Yeah, Reka is... Um, well, in this match she was dressed in the blue of uh, the two of yeah. them. I thought she was excellent. Uh, throughout this show we've seen a lot of people who perhaps wouldn't be a strong fit for other promotions and I was... I, I At the time I was not aware that she was... Uh, a talent within other promotions as well. I have seen pictures of her with Hanakamura. Um, just thinking about it, it would probably have been when Hanakamura was signing with Wrestle One. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought she was excellent in the like the way she carried herself uh, and 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 the way she worked would would fit in in almost any promotion that I've seen so far. It would. Um, one of my favorite things about this was. Uh, and we talked about the production before, the opening video yeah. was absolutely tremendous. It especially, really is. Especially uh, getting over both Reiko Saiki as a champion, a defending champion, and <laughs> very much you could feel like the oncoming star, Miyu Yamashita. Yeah. Who projects something that I don't think a lot of people in, uh, in, in wrestling in general I agree. Yep. Um, if, if anyone's seen, uh, if, they're, if you're a New Japan fan, you've probably seen uh, either in his entrance video or uh, the original video packages uh, when Goto went to stand underneath the waterfalls. 
to uh, to gain discipline. Miyu Yamashita does the exact same thing in the in advance of this match, and yeah. it comes across as this completely different, very serious thing in contrast yeah. to the rest of the show. Um, and uh, the other thing I have to say about her is her entrance routine is cool. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, it's picture the coolest sort of posing in an anime, and that's what she does. Yeah. She just comes across as composed, cool, and awesome. Yeah, and she's got, uh, for her entrance, she has that badass half-leather jacket. She's yeah. just, she's great. She's great. Um, yeah. And Reiko, uh, I guess her defining person or characteristic would be that uh, she's a bodybuilder so she's very strong um she uses the old lex luger torture rack as a finish so she's she's not playing with you <laughs> which i mean which is sort of funny because it sounds very scary and i guess it could be for her opponents but she's also incredibly cute at the same time um <laughs> and she uh she also has uh some classic idol in her. She uh is one half of Deadlift Lolita with Ladybeard and they do a bit of a uh I guess a baby metal type of thing where it's a uh, kawaii death metal. Um and it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I don't think I'd listen to it in the car driving down the road, but, but it's not that bad. And, uh, it's neat that she does that. Um, uh, can I stop you there? Lady yeah. beard. Lady beard. Okay. Are you familiar? I uh, no, I'm not. I, I've added it to my list of things to look up after the show. Absolutely. It is a, an Australian man and he's about, uh, well, it's hard to tell when he's around Japanese girls. He could be my size, six foot four, or he could not be. But he's very built. He's incredibly built. He has long blonde and brown hair and a beard. And he puts his hair up in ponytails like uh, Lenny Lane is the wrestling comparison I could think of. Um, <laughs> what a and, comparison. <laughs> yeah. And he wears the same, how you were talking about how the lower card girls here wear sort of generic schoolgirl anime type outfits he wears that and uh he's not uh, I, he's not very good at wrestling but he's he's entertaining just because he's this massive man that comes out dressed as a kawaii japanese girl and, and then wrestles like a massive man um and that's ladybeard that's that's what that is Okay, that's a thing that I did not know was a thing before. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so oh, no, yeah. wait, I've seen this person somewhere. Oh, are you Googling? Uh, I'm looking at a picture. Yeah. That's that's kind of familiar in some way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't admit to anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never seen this. What do you mean, officer? <laughs> um, yeah. And then you have Yamashita, and as Tom put perfectly, she's just got an aura about her that's incredible. She comes off as just a really cool badass, and that's what she is. Um, 
I think I think the closest I would say is it's kind of like I, I assume this is her first title win. I uh, uh, it might be number two. I'm not sure. I think it's it number had, two. It had the feel of a big title win of somebody, yeah. and her coming in with this kind of poise, it kind of felt like an upcoming Io Shirai. Right. Because obviously Io is very established now, whereas yeah. Miyu seems like she's coming in as the upcoming ace. Yeah. Uh, and they're very different, but at the same time, that that sense of composure, that sense of cool, and yep. the sense that you're watching the, the person who is the best in that promotion. Yeah. She screams sh- ace. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, some of the thing with Miu that that might because ref- I I do believe she held the title before, but she started getting popular. I think it was 2016, where she had a tag match. Um, I can't even remember. I know Shoko Big Kaiju was in it, uh, and Mako, and I can't remember who else. But she, her interaction with Mako Satomura in that was just outstanding. And that led to uh, the first really major match of her career where she did have a singles match with Mako. Um, and it was very hard on her in the uh, uh, in the videos leading up, May- or the interviews, Mako has zero respect for her. She does not give a shit what this kid is doing. And uh, Miyu takes it really rough, like, it makes her cry. So she wants to prove herself so badly to Mako Satamura. And they have a match, and uh, I don't I don't think the story's over yet because she does well and, and loses. And Mako gives her a little respect, but she still, for the most part, does not give a shit. So I'm hoping we get more and we get to just get this. I mean, if it's one match a year, it's one match a year. But I want to see... I want to see Miyu finally get Mako Satomura's respect. And anyway, that's when she became really popular. And then this would be the first Princess of Princess title win after that. So that okay. might account for the feel of the match. Yeah. Um, certainly Mako is a fantastic person for other promotions to bring in for various utility roles. Yeah. When you're, when you're trying to make somebody of that caliber. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> Just coming down to this match, it was a much more serious affair than the other ones. Uh, there was based based a lot around sort of uh, kick low kicks, uh, a lot of serious <laughs> a lot of serious back and forth. Yeah. The, the match time was what fifteen minutes. Yep. Um, it felt like a main event. And yeah, that, it did. It was it was a great match. Yeah, it really was. Um, did it? Was it as good in person? Um. I think I appreciated it more the second time. I, I definitely appreciated a lot of what I appreciated appreciated about this show live was the the both of the, the aspects of ceremony and the aspects of um, celebration. So, for example, uh, during the during the, ta- the the princess tag team match, I think they actually got the most in terms of streamers. And uh, if if anyone wants to go to this, uh, my Instagram is largely full of trip pictures of my trip to Japan. Uh, I took a lot of pictures of both of the Tokyo Joshi show and various other shows I went to, including Stardom. What's and your uh, What's your Instagram name? 
Uh, the Instagram name is the same as my uh, Twitter name, which is rabbitstavros 77 Perfect. Um, and uh, there's just shots of the ring filled with streamers. Um, and I was all queued up to see an absolute... Um, the ring swamped for the main event, but I think there were more for the tag team title match, oddly. Uh, and I'm not mm. sure exactly why that was. But definitely the match had a feel around it um, at the time. And I was more sort of enjoying how the crowd was responding to it around me as a spectator than necessarily getting into the match itself at the time, because I was obviously still struggling with symptoms of jet lag, and I knew I had a seven-hour uh, show to go to directly after that. Yeah. So, and um, I mean, you're watching wrestling in the Kurakuen for the first time. You might as the crowd would be fascinating to watch also. It is. It is. I, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to take in everything about the spectacle and that meant perhaps my attention on the match was lacking at the time. It wasn't when I watched it the other day again. Uh and I think I appreciated it more, even more this time. But certainly even the first time you get the feel of the, the strengths of the two characters and exactly why they're in that role for this company. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, of course, it was January 4th, but I thought it was the first really, really good Joshi match of 2018. Um, I really like the, uh, the the main event of the startup show from the very night before, but uh-huh. I, was, I was there in person, <laughs> so I am going to be biased. I was yeah. in the front row, so I'm going to be biased. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, remind me which man was that the elimination? No. Uh, if I remember rightly, it, I think it was uh, was it Ode Tai versus Queen's Quest. Ode oh, Tai and Queen's Quest. Yeah, but it it wasn't there. Uh, it was just a straight up pinfall match. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, and the match ended with Chris Chris Wolf getting injured, which took a little bit off the back of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, when you say Chris Wolf, now I remember. Yeah. I remember when she got hurt, yeah. Um, but yes, it's certainly in terms of like marquee matches where you tell people to go out of their way to watch it, I think this is more this fits that more than more than anything on the stardom show from the night before. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you're gonna watch Tokyo Joshi Pro this year, it would be an essential match, I would say. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I say that having seen maybe three shows total. But just from the feel of it, I understand its significance. So yeah, it's. I, I would say the whole card is a excellent uh, introduction to the roster. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely feels like a. It felt like their big show. Yeah, and you could see why they wanted to hold it the just before the Tokyo Dome show. Yeah, yeah. So. And it worked. Their attendance is doing well. So. Yeah, you can def you can definitely see the appeal of the promotion. Um, they play very strongly into. An aspect which I mean, DDT um, fills on the men's side, yeah. uh, but also playing heavily into the idol side. Um, I know that technically Stardom is supposed to be one of the larger promotions in Japan, but when I was there, I felt like this was a much bigger deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And watching other shows since, I kind of feel like Sendai feels bigger as well. But then I'm watching their shows in Korokan. And yes. I'm watching every startup show, so I, I don't have yeah. a most complete picture of those other shows, of those other companies. Right. Um, but and I, I believe like Stardom, Stardom mm, might get lower attendances occasionally too because 
they I believe they run a lot more than any other Joshi promotion. Yeah, and, and across a much wider portion of the country. So. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like Tokyo Joshi Pro went from being perhaps when I walked in, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I thought it might be indie sleaze, honestly. Yeah. I walked away with the impression of a company that had a distinct personality that might not be for everyone, but they felt like an extremely professional, well-put-together company with uh, a a well-developed roster and a strong booking pattern given who was put in the top spots of their card. Yeah. I felt like I was watching a company on the rise. Yeah. Um, and that's it's honestly going from zero to first impressions within three hours, it was probably the most positive experience I've had of a company that I didn't know anything about before. I've been to a lot of like indie companies in the UK for the first time and it's always the same sort of thing, you know. Um this felt like I'd walked in and I should have been aware of this company the whole time that I've been right. 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 Which is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about how well they how well they present themselves. Yeah, and I, I think they do get some of the bigger. At least recently, they're getting bigger crowds. Uh, the ice ribbon show at the end of last year did a lot of people. It got like twelve thirty five, which is still only you know thirty people more. But uh, um, I suppose we can also talk about to end our discussion on Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, we talked about their production. They are owned. Well, okay, so they're a branch of DDT, and DDT was bought by Abema, which is a television station in Japan. Uh, they bought DDT and their <laughs> twelve dozen spinoff promotions, uh, which you can get for a great price on DDT Universe. And I, for me, the reason I quit subscribing was buffering issues. Uh, but from all reports, I could find. Over months, that was only me. So don't listen to me on that. I, I suggest subscribing. DDT themselves has some great wrestlers. They have Sadabi Dino, of course, but they also have guys like Takashita, who is incredibly young and incredibly good. Um, so that's a good value. But that's to say that they're owned by Abema, uh, which has a lot of money to throw in and a lot of publicity. For instance, I have watched... Uh, Abema has a show called The Night, and I think it's like a 12 o'clock in the midnight showing type of deal. Um, and every now and then, I've seen it twice now, maybe three times, um, whatever. But uh, it's a two-hour show, and they have five or six girls from uh, Tokyo Joshi on there. Uh, Maho was on one, which was funny because she... I don't think she talked once to stay in character. She would move where she was sitting and make someone go sit somewhere else, but she didn't talk. It was She just had a hand hanging out of her mouth for two hours. Um, Hyper Misao was on all of them. So is... Uh, the, the the show is hosted by Don Shokodino. Um, Miyu's been on there. Maki's been on there. Uh, and... It's just great exposure for them because it's a well-known television station in Japan, and they are all over it. Um, What's the name of the show? The Night. The Night. I'm definitely looking yeah. this up. Yeah, I can. Uh, 
I can link you up uh, a couple links, and maybe I'll put a link to the most recent one in the show notes too, so people can see it. Granted, it is not subtitled, so you, uh, yeah. However, I, it's also I, that thing where you can tell what's funny. So okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think that certainly that's going to be uh, reasonably passable. I have yeah. a decent amount of background watching foreign television. Uh, yes. So, uh, and and hunting it down. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll definitely give it a look just to get yeah. a feel for it. Yeah, it's really fun, even if you don't really know what they're saying. <laughs> it still comes across really well. Um, so yeah, they're owned by Obama, and that is it's been a great boon for them, and it will continue to be. Uh, there's recent pictures on Twitter of them getting a new ring mat, which is bright pink with the logo in white, and it looks fantastic. I couldn't tell it was pink. I thought it was orange. Yeah, there's two different pictures of it, and in one it does look orange. But in one it looks pink, and I just assume pink is correct because that feels correct. It would be weird to have an orange mat. Yeah, so well, I... it's a reversal of their logo, isn't it? So the logo yeah. is pink. So. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of companies with strong color uh, mats. Uh, Absolutely. It really helps differentiate your product. So. Yeah. yeah. It does. Okay. Uh, we're going to wrap up the first uh, mini episode there. That has been your introduction to Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, the usual mea culpa. We apologize for all the things we got wrong. And if you want to correct us, please feel free to hit us up on, uh, on the Twitter machine. Um... Tom is, of course, Rabid Stavros 77, and I am Coffee Yay. <laughs> and feel free to uh, let us know what we got wrong. Thanks for spending some time with us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much.